Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here in person and also joining us online. We circled up together for prayer before first service today, and, uh, and Fisher just asked the students, because there are several students either on the worship team or in the production this morning that started back to school, and, and he said, uh, so how was your first week of school? And I'm just telling you that not a single one of them was like, it was awesome, you know? Uh, but I just trust as parents, like the first week back to school was amazing for all of you, that your kids had a great time and that you had a great time having them back started at school. And I just believe this year is going to be great for the students. And the last two Wednesday nights, I've had the opportunity this, this year, I'm volunteering in, uh, in the youth ministry on Wednesday nights, and it has been a blast. So the last two Wednesday nights, I'm serving as a seventh grade boys small group leader, y'all. Seventh grade boys small group leader. It's amazing. I love it. I can't wait to be part of their discipleship journey this year. And I'm just seeing just the fruit of this ministry is amazing to see the life transformation that's taking place in these students. If your kids aren't part of the youth ministry on Wednesday nights, I would encourage you make sure that you have them there. But anyway, as we circled up and we were praying and none of these kids were like, oh, it was amazing. I'm like, we need some optimists, right? We need some people who were like, this week was great. And uh, anyway, but I really am believing for you and for your kids that this year is going to to be the best year ever for them. I hope that one of the things that you've heard throughout this series the last six weeks is that God loves you and that he has more for you. God loves you and he has more for you. And so no matter where you gauge yourself on the spiritual growth scale, there is more. And so this morning, if you're in this room today and you don't even know if you're a believer of Jesus or you're a skeptic, can I just tell you that there is so much more? I promise you there is. If you've been a believer of Jesus and a follower of him your whole life, there's so much more. We've been in this series for the last six weeks called There Is More. Last week, we looked at three of the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We looked at words of wisdom or utterances of wisdom and utterances of knowledge and discerning of spirits. If you missed last week's message or if you've missed any of the messages in this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen online at crosspointwaverly.com or on Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. Find the service there and, and take a listen to what God's been speaking to our church over the last few weeks. Here's what I know is that God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things to accomplish supernatural results. God uses ordinary people doing ordinary things to accomplish supernatural results. And I just want to say this to some of you ordinary people this morning who've already began to tune me out. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not reserved just for super spiritual people, whatever that even means in your mind. I hope that by the end of the message today that you'll see that the gifts of the Spirit are accessible and that they are freely given to everybody. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not only, uh, the Holy Spirit did not give out all of his inventory of Holy Spirit gifts on the day of Pentecost, right? It wasn't like on the day of Pentecost, he's like, okay, 
Here's all of the inventory of spiritual gifts for the rest of eternity. Now that you have uh, enjoyed the rest of this mission that I've given to you. Instead, he's still dishing out the gifts of the Spirit for each of us today. There is more for all of us. And I pray that your hunger would exceed your hesitancy. This morning, I want us to look at the spiritual gifts that Paul outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read it from two different versions, just like I did last week. We're going to start by reading it from the Message Bible. I like some of the approachable language that's in there, and then we're going to read it from the ESV version, and the language for the rest of this message will come out of the ESV version Bible. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1 from the Message Bible is going to appear on the screen as well. Paul writes, what I want to talk to you about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you did not know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did it. It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be accursed, nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person, I love this, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongue. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Now let's look at the ESV version. He writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word for the power that it has to transform our lives. And we ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your Spirit's power. Would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I've mentioned this book a number of times over, the, over this past series, and it's a book called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. 
And in his book, he breaks up this list of spiritual gifts into three different categories. The first group is what we talked about last week, which was the discerning gifts, which is an utterance of wisdom, an utterance of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And again, if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. The second way that he grouped these is declaring gifts, which would include prophecy, message in tongues, and interpretation. And the final grouping is called, he calls it dynamic gifts, which would include faith and healing and miracles. And so today we're going to talk about these last two groupings, the declaring gifts and the dynamic gifts. And under the declaring gifts, the first one that we're going to look at is prophecy. Prophecy is a message of encouragement from God for another person or a group of people. It's not fortune telling. It's not calling judgment and fire. It's not divine corrector. Prophecy can be so normal when, uh, when God uses ordinary people to do ordinary things for supernatural results. When someone gives a prophetic word, they don't have to be weird, right? They don't have to use King James Version English when they're giving a prophetic word. It doesn't have to be yelled out or, or screamed. The tone can be normal. It can be done in a normal voice and a normal language. Prophecy promotes God's purpose foremost, Prophecy promotes God's purpose foremost. It doesn't promote personal or political agendas. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1, Paul writes, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may what? Prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Paul starts with, in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1, he says, pursue love. All spiritual gifts should be exercised out of love. And how many know that we need more love, right? We all need more. I need more love. I think we all need more love and more power. Paul writes to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, and he says, especially that you may prophesy. And in verse number 3, talks about the purpose of and the result of prophecy. It says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their what? Upbuilding. Cool. On the front row, we got one person who's reading along with me. Speaks to people for their what? Upbuilding. Cool. The next word is going to be encouragement. I'm just giving you a heads up. What's the next word? And the next word is consolation. What's the third word? Consolation, right? So the purpose or the result of prophecy should be for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation of somebody. The second gift that we see in declaring gifts is a message in tongues. This is a message from God for others in a different language. And apparently this group was very excited about the gift of tongues. They had practiced it a lot in the public worship service. And in doing so, they were neglecting the expression of other spiritual gifts such as prophecy. And so in this, Paul had to navigate the tension of wanting to bring correction to the overuse and the abuse of what was taking place while also not squashing their desire for more spiritual gifts to be used in their lives. And so he addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then he follows it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the famous love chapter. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 1, he comes back to and starts with pursue love. And then he says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And in verse number four, he continues. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. 
The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Paul doesn't dismiss tongues altogether, but he does say that he prefers prophecy in a group setting. He goes on to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 13, that if someone is to give a message in tongues in public, then therefore, he says, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret. So if someone is given a message in tongues, then that person should pray for the interpretation. The third gift that we see in this category is interpretation. This is understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of a message in tongues. When a message in tongues is given, the person has the ability to interpret it. And Paul actually, again, in verse number 13 of chapter 14 says, Therefore, who whoever, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret it. And so it's not uncommon for someone to uh, express a message in tongues as well as to give the interpretation in the same moment. With each of these gifts, there's a declaring activity. And here's just how I want to talk to you about how I would see this flowing in our church is that if you sense that God's wanting to use you in one of these three giftings, whether it's prophecy, a message in tongues, or interpretation, that you would, want to, that you would come and find one of the pastors on staff and that you would tell us what you feel like God is stirring in your heart. And then it gives us the ability to determine, is that for a group of people today or is this for an individual? And I know that some of you might think right now, you're like, oh, thank you, pastor. Thanks for saving us because I've been in some weird services with some weird people who've said some really weird things. And so you're like, thank you. And there are others of you right now that are looking at me and you're like, pastor, you're a horrible person. How could you limit the Holy Spirit of God like that? How could you put him in a box like that? And I just want to tell you that that's not the case. The Holy Spirit is free to do whatever he wants to do in our service. Amen? But as the pastor, I'm not going to let just anybody come up and preach to you on a Sunday morning. Any person who's ever stood up here on this stage to preach to you is somebody that I either have a personal relationship with or somebody who I have a personal relationship with the person that they're connected with. And there's an immense amount of trust. And there's a responsibility that I have as the shepherd of the church to protect the flock. And so I'm not just going to let anybody come up here and preach a message to you. I'm not just going to invite somebody off the street and say, hey, why don't you come fill the pulpit this morning and just tell the church whatever you want to tell them. Like, can you imagine? There's no way that I would do that. When I was talking over this message with PG, he gave me another illustration that I think uh, illustrates this and helps us understand what we're trying to accomplish here. He says, if a complete stranger walked up to your child in public and gave them a wrapped gift, what would you do? Some of you would be like, I don't care, let them open it. <laughs> but others of you would be like, there is no way that I'm letting my kids unwrap and unbox something from a complete stranger without me seeing what's in there first. And so here's what I'm trying to say to you, is I don't want to squash the movement of the Holy Spirit and any of the gifts that he wants to utilize in our service. But I'm saying as your pastor, I want to unwrap that package and I want to look inside of it before it goes to the rest of the people. Are you tracking with me? The other thing is that we live in, in a viral age. Everything that I'm saying right now is immediately on Facebook Live. And so uh, if somebody were to come up and give a message in tongues or an interpretation or a prophecy 
and it's not in alignment with scripture and it's not in alignment with our beliefs as a church, because I gave that person a platform or a microphone, it's going to be associated that we believe whatever was said and that we endorse what was said. And so again, I just wanna say this, there's not an effort to squash, it's an effort to protect. I believe that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, that he does things in order and in process, and I believe that he can flow in that way here. And as we move in that and everything is exercised in proper uh, order, that it'll build trust and these gifts will be exercised more frequently. The third group of spiritual gifts is dynamic gifts. And so we moved along from prophecy, we moved along from tongues and interpretation of tongues, now into this grouping of dynamic gifts. And the first one that we're going to look at this morning under that grouping is faith. The spiritual gift of faith is a supernatural resource of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Spiritual gift of faith is a supernatural resource or belief of and confidence for a specific situation. And so I can just know that there are some of you who've walked through trials or walked through situations in your life where the Holy Spirit has worked something in you. That even though you didn't see the end result, there was this faith in God that everything was going to be all right. And it wasn't just this empty faith or this hope, but there was this confidence because of the gift of the Holy Spirit of faith in your life that you just knew it was going to be all right. In Acts chapter 9, we see a situation where this plays out. There's this man named Paul, who's de- or Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, and he's declaring these murderous threats to believers. And God tells this man named Ananias to go to Paul, and, and I just want you to hear the, the faith that Ananias had in Acts chapter 9, verse number 10. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight and to the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. Now listen, those are some specific details that the Holy Spirit gave Ananias. He gave him the direction to go and the place to be. And he goes on to say that Saul is praying and he's seen a vision. A man named Ananias came, uh, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But remember what Saul was doing, he was uttering murderous threats to followers of Jesus, right? You understand the setting here. And so now you understand that the Holy Spirit is directing this man, a follower of Jesus, to go to Saul to proclaim something to him when he knows that Saul is uttering threats. And so Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and he entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taken food. He was strengthened. Listen, Ananias would have had the same fears that we would have had going into that situation. He would have asked the same questions that we would have asked. But here's the deal. He walked in obedience before he saw the result. He walked in obedience before he saw the result. He had no idea to what extent that God was working in the heart of Saul. He trusted what the Holy Spirit said to him, and he was obedient to that, and look at the results of what happened. And here's what I want to say to all of us, is that we legitimately have no idea. 
We have no idea what the Holy Spirit is doing behind the scenes in the hearts of people. There are some of your family members who have the hardest of hearts, and you think there's no way that God is ever going to change them. There are some of your coworkers or teammates. There are some of your friends, maybe some people that uh, are here in this church, and, and you think there's, there's no way that God is telling me to go speak this to somebody or to pray over this person or to do this or do that. And I just want to tell you, whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you to do, go do it. Walk in obedience and trust that if he's leading you and guiding you to do that, that he's doing the behind-the-scenes work like he did in the heart of Saul so that the message would be received. I wonder what would happen as a church if each of us walked in the obedience of the Holy Spirit. Ananias followed the steps of the Lord that God had given him in this vision, and God protected him and used him mightily. The second gift in this category of dynamic gifts is healing. This is a moment of supernatural faith and strength to believe for healing. And this gift isn't just reserved for some people to use all of the time. Instead, the Holy Spirit can give this gift to anyone at any time. And so here's the deal. God may use you at any time for this gift to be activated. Each of you have access to people, again, at school or at work or your family or wherever, that maybe at some moment they're going to need healing and God's going to use you to, have, to exercise a gift that you didn't even know that you have because the Holy Spirit in that moment is going to give you what you need in that moment and you're going to pray for that person and they're going to experience healing. Mark Batterson said that God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers that aren't prayed. God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers that aren't prayed. What would it look like if we would pray for one another? We leave time at the end of our service each week to pray for one another. And so I would encourage you at the end of this message today, if you've come with a need, let somebody pray for you. And when we pray and when we ask the Holy Spirit to use us in these ways, it doesn't mean that every person that we pray for is going to be healed. In fact, we know that the only person who uh, had a 100% success rate of praying for people to receive healing was Jesus, right? And so uh, I want you to know how, oper how I operate, because I, like you, have prayed for people to experience healing, and it didn't happen, and I've prayed for people to experience healing, and it has happened. And so you're like, how do you move forward with that? And maybe there are some of you who are disillusioned with God because you too have prayed for healing for a loved one or for yourself and you've not experienced it. And I just want to tell you, here's how I operate. I'm going to pray for God to bring healing to your body or to your family member's body until he does or until he doesn't. That's how I'm going to operate. The results aren't on me. And so there might be some of you who are like, well, how can you just get back up and pray for this person and pray for that person when it didn't happen here and it didn't happen here? Because I'm telling you that the results aren't on me. The results are on God. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to call upon his name and pray on behalf of his people, and I'm going to trust him with the results. Now, the only exception to that is if we're all in agreement that that's not what we're praying for. I remember being around my grandmother's bedside last year as she had battled Alzheimer's for over 10 years. There was nobody standing around her bed at 90-something years old praying that she would experience miraculous healing in that moment. Instead, we were praying that her passing would be, would be peaceful. There's this passage in Acts chapter 3 where, where Peter interacts with this man who needed healing, and they, Peter was on his way to, uh, for a prayer meeting, and they came across this man who was lame from birth, he was carried to the temple each day to beg 
for money. And think about this. Jesus would have gone through that gate. He would have passed this man. So it says this man was born lame from the beginning. Jesus walked by this lame man in in Acts chapter 3 every time he visited the, the temple. So as a baby, at 12 years old, as a grown man, and Jesus didn't heal, the, heal him in those moments, but because he was, he was waiting for the right time and the right people. And so when Peter at, interacts with him in Acts chapter 3, verse number 6, it says, Peter said to this man who was begging, who asked him for money, he says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All right, this man had been lame from birth. He had not been able to walk. And some of you might be like, oh, well, he just broke his leg. It's like riding a bike. You just start walking again. No, this man had never walked in his entire life, and it was such a supernatural healing that took place that he was able to walk and leap and praise the Lord. I want to say this when it comes to healing, that we don't have to go to a famous healing evangelist to receive healing. The gift of healing can take place at any time with anybody. And so there might be a time where you experience the gift of healing take place in your prayer closet. Mark Batterson shares a story about how when he was 14 years old, he was hospitalized with asthma. And he said his pastor came and visited him. For those of you who are like, who's Mark Batterson? Uh, Sorry, he wrote The Circle Maker. He wrote If. He's written a number of books that some of us in the church have read. And so he's a tremendous pastor and author. But uh, he shares this story about how he's in the hospital. And his pastor comes and prays with him for a healing of his asthma in the hospital room. And he said, I woke up and I still had asthma, but the warts on my feet were gone. And he said, I was grateful that the warts were gone off of my feet, but I was so confused as to why God would heal the warts on my feet and not heal my asthma. And he said that in that moment that the Holy Spirit whispered to him and said, God is able. God is able. And so every day of Mark Batterson's life, he prayed that God would bring healing to his asthma. Every day he had an inhaler. Every day he had to use the inhaler. And a couple of years ago, God healed Mark Batterson of his asthma. And so he has this blog post on it. He's got his uh, inhaler in the garbage can. He's like, I don't need it anymore. God brought healing to his body. And so I just want to encourage you and say this, that God is able. And for Mark Batterson, from the time he was 14 years old till the time he was in his 40s, for decades he prayed on the promise that God is able right? And so I just want to encourage some of you who've been praying a lot, and you've been praying a long time for an answer that hasn't happened yet. Don't give up because God is able. Amen? Amen. When my wife and I lived in India, our kids were uh, super sick, and they were young, and I don't want to go into too many graphic details for you this morning except for to just tell you again that they were very young, and multiple times a day, they had movements that were not solid. And as parents, we had to take care of that. And so the first thing that we got to do in the morning and the last thing that we did at night and multiple times during the day was to clean up our children. And I'll just tell you, as a father, it was heartbreaking 
to see our kids sick. They were eating the same food as us. They were drinking the same water as us. There wasn't something that they were doing different than us that would explain why they were having the situation that they were having. We took them to uh, multiple doctors and hospitals, the best that we could find in New Delhi, in great hospitals that we took our kids to, and they couldn't find anything wrong with our kids. And so Eric and I were just desperate. Like, you know, they're in that development stage. Their nutrients clearly aren't staying in their bodies. God, what's going to happen here? And we left India for... Uh, for a regional retreat, and we went to Turkey. And while we were there, a group of missionaries circled up around our kids, and they prayed for healing for our kids. And I'm just telling you that from that point on, their movements were solid. Praise the Lord. God is able. God is able. The third gift in this dynamic gifts grouping is miracles. And I told the worship team this morning that this would be their cue to come up, but how I said it was, I believe in miracles, and I'm glad, I'm glad you laughed, thank you, you, oh, okay, cool, yep, um, so, so someone said on the worship team, somebody's just laughing over here, that's my pastor, yeah, if you're here for the first time, anyway, so somebody from the worship team said, are you really going to do that, and I was like, I wasn't planning on it, and my wife was like, you can't do that, and I was like, challenge accepted, <laughs> Challenge accepted. So, oh, that's good. What are we talking about? Miracles. <laughs> hey, baby. That's her. I did it. Twice. Miracle is when a divine intervention that alters circumstances. It's a divine intervention that alters circumstances. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We read in the Bible in the Old Testament where God performed miracles. We read in the New Testament where God performed miracles. And I'm just telling you that he's still a miracle-working God today. Robert Morris in his book, The God I Never Knew, said, As with other gifts of the Spirit, these dynamic gifts aren't just for a special few. God didn't hold a heavenly lottery to randomly select a handful of his people around the planet to experience miracles in their lives. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to wait for the promise of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And he said that the Holy Spirit would be their comforter and be greater for them than his presence physically being there. And it was hard for the disciples to understand that peace. And Robert Morris puts it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once and in us. It's shocking to contemplate, but Jesus was right. Now we have a much better deal. But it gets even better as we've seen. The Holy Spirit didn't come empty-handed. He came with his arms filled with gifts. If you need a miracle, he has that. If you need a healing, he has that too. If you need faith, he has that covered. If you need an encouraging message from God, a prophecy, a tongue, or an interpretation, if you need a word of knowledge about your situation or a word of wisdom or to discern how the enemy is attacking you, the Holy Spirit will give these gifts to you and to those around you. I love it. The Holy Spirit didn't come empty-handed. And I'm just telling you, I want to say it one more time, that he didn't exhaust his resources on the day of Pentecost. But even today, he's still pouring out his gifts. And if you'll be open, if you'll open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, he will give you what you need when you need it. He'll give you what you need when you need it. A couple of years ago, I watched the movie Breakthrough. How many of you have ever seen that movie? 
just show of hands, there's a handful of you who've seen it. Spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you how it ends, but I think if you were to use your imagination, you would hear how it ends because they're not going to make a movie about a sad ending uh, story, right? Are you tracking with me? So here's the deal. Three boys are out on the ice and the ice breaks. One of them is able to climb out of the ice. Another one is immediately rescued, but this one 14-year-old boy wasn't able to get rescued immediately and sank to the bottom of the St. Louis Lake. This 14-year-old boy for 15 minutes was under the water when he was finally pulled to the surface. The doctors administered CPR for 43 minutes without results. The emergency room doctor was about to give the mom the tragic news when this mother walked into her son's hospital room and she quickly said a desperate prayer and this is exactly what she prayed. Holy Spirit, please come and give me back my son. Immediately after the mom uttered those words, her son's heart began to beat once again. And after, after this miracle took place, the doctors looked at her and they said, your son will never regain neurological function. But I'm just here to tell you this morning that the report of the great physician was something drastically different. Within 48 hours, this young 14-year-old boy who had spent 15 minutes underwater, who had CPR for 43 minutes without any success, was sitting up in his bed answering the questions and talking to people that were in his room because we serve a God that is able. His mom wasn't a healing evangelist. She didn't travel the nation praying for people for healing. It was a desperate mom who prayed a desperate prayer, partnered with the spiritual gift of faith that God performed a miracle in that room. And I just want to tell you that there is nothing more powerful than a church that partners their prayers with faith. And I believe God wants to do something great. Her prayer was nothing elaborate. It was not a magical formula. It was just a desperate prayer partnered with faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, her son lived. Here's what I know is that there are some of you who've partnered your prayers with immense faith. And what you prayed for happened and we've celebrated with you and it's been amazing. But there are others of you who it's been a different story. You've partnered your prayers with immense faith and the result wasn't what you were hoping for. And I just want to tell you this morning that God is still good and God is still faithful. And I never want to end up on the side of what could have happened if only we would have prayed. Right? And so for some of you who look back to your past and the miracle didn't happen, the healing didn't take place, I just want to urge you once again to keep crying out and believing for God to perform the healing and perform the miracle. And don't ask yourselves the question, what if later? I want to encourage you to not give up. Think about the story of Mark Batterson who for decades and finally experienced his healing and his miracle. For those of you who haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to challenge you this morning. Don't give up. Keep seeking. There's more. For those of you who God has used in spiritual gifts before, I pray that, uh, that you would pray that God would use you again in those giftings. For those of you who've never been used in any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I pray that today that you would let the Holy Spirit know that you're available. The church empowered by the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. The church empowered by the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I just want to tell you today that those words are still true. Jesus is still building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I just want to tell you on a global scale, the government can't shut his church down. Persecution can't shut his church down. COVID can't shut his church down. ISIS can't shut his church down. Jesus said, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And so I just want to tell you this morning that a church empowered by the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. And there are some of you who've come in here today and your faith is blah, your faith is bland, it's powerless. And I just want to tell you today, what I've been telling you for the last six weeks is that there's more. The Spirit of God wants to do something in your heart. He wants to set you free. He wants to empower you with your gifts. He wants to touch your lives. Last week I talked about the verse that says, greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. And some of you need to start walking in that authority and believing that today. If you feel powerless as a follower of Jesus today, there is more, and that more is the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, today, I want to enter into a relationship with him. I want to experience the new life that he has to offer. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And you say, today, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Thank you. I see that hand. Are there others this morning? There's another. Three, four. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Five. I see that hand. Are there others this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand all across this room. There were at least five hands that went up this morning of, some, of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer today, we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made. And so we would ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998.
the prayer team's coming to the front and the worship team's going to lead us in a song in just a moment. And if you've come with any prayer needs today, I would encourage you to step out of your seats in just a moment and let them pray for you. But before we do that, I want to pray for a couple of different things. One is, in just a moment, for those of you who say, I want all that the Holy Spirit has for me, whatever that looks like, in just a moment, I'm going to ask that you would slip up both of your hands and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm available. And I just want to pray for you this morning for that. The second thing that I, I want us to pray for as a church this morning is for a young man named Charlie Kramer who experienced a stroke, who's been in the hospital and still hasn't regained his speech. And I just wonder what it would look like this morning if the Holy Spirit gift of healing was activated in your mouth today. That today you prayed for a young man that he would once again be able to speak and that this would be the moment that that would happen. And so I'm just gonna say again, if, if, you're, if you're with me this morning, cause I'm gonna lift both of my hands up and you're like, Holy Spirit, whatever you want, I'm available. Would you just lift up your hands all across this room if that's you? And then secondly, as a church body, let's pray and let's cry out on behalf of this young man that God would bring about complete healing and restoration to his body. God, we thank you so much for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that's in this room right now. God, we've come with expectation and anticipation. And so I pray even now that this body of believers with hands lifted up saying, Holy Spirit, I'm available, I'm willing, that faith would be activated in their hearts, that Holy Spirit gifts would be activated in their lives, and that this church would be unstoppable, empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, this morning we lift up Charlie Kramer and we ask that you would bring about complete healing to his body. Lord, as, as hands are lifted up across this room, as mouths are open, as voices are proclaiming, as voices are crying out to you, I pray that in this moment that you would bring healing to his body and that his voice once again would be able to proclaim the greatness and the goodness of his God. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The worship team's gonna lead us in this song and I would encourage you in this atmosphere, don't miss out. But I would encourage you to step out from your seats today and allow God to work in your lives and in your hearts. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.